Welcome to Career Tools. In today's show, we conclude our conversation on how to be successful at career fairs. Before we go on, though, Mark and I would like to thank those of you who nominated Career Tools for the business category of the podcast awards. We're one of 10 outstanding podcasts that have been nominated in the business category, and we're absolutely thrilled to be in such good company. So again, thank you very much for that nomination. So now that nominations are over, the actual voting is going to start on Friday, November 13th. Friday the 13th. Okay, that doesn't sound like a particularly good omen, but we'll ignore that for now. So, okay, so starting on the 13th, you can vote once each day until the voting ends on November 30th. So, if you feel so inclined, we'd encourage you to go over and cast your vote every day if you want on the Podcast Awards site, which is podcastawards.com. We appreciate it. All right, folks, here we go with today's show. Now, I want to go back to something we touched on a little bit earlier in our previous cast, actually, where we suggested that, you know, that there's no way a recruiter can remember your face, or it's hard for a recruiter to remember your face out of potentially 150 people they've seen in a, in a day or so. Um, and so you need to make an impression, right? If you want to be remembered, you, get, you need to make an impression. So Let's go back to a little bit. What are some ways that we can make an impression with the company representative? Yeah. You know, you said yourself, you've been to career fair, right? There was probably one person that stood out, right? Yep. To this day. To this day. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so you've got the power to say no, right? Uh, You also had the power to recommend somebody and you get a whole bunch of resumes and but there's one guy that's brilliant. You're gonna go back and say, look, I got all these things, but here's the guy we need to bring in, right? So you can't just hand over your resume. You have to have what amounts to a pitch. We need to do more than just stand in line and say, look, this is my resume, and then watch with trepidation as the recruiter looks over the resume and reduces us to a single page. You're not gonna get hired based on the single page. Big point here, guys. The vast majority of people going to career fairs believe that the look at the resume is the discriminator. It is not. The discriminators are your first impression, which we're about to walk through, your research, and then what your resume represents. But if you don't do your research, strike one, and you don't then have a good first impression or you don't make a good first impression by being outgoing and a little bit salesy, and some people are offended by that, but sorry, if you're not willing to be a little bit salesy, strike two. If you're not willing to make a good first interpersonal impression, strike two. And then lastly, you're sitting there mute while a a person looks at your resume and they've boiled your entire life down to one page. And it's strike two and three quarters. And unless you're an absolutely perfect fit, you're not going to get through the process. Right. So we've already talked about research so that you can make your case, right? Um, Deliver your pitch. But now what we've got to do is we've got to add to the resume connection, which is happening as really in in, in the first moments as well. Um, Now we've got to make a good interpersonal impression. And let's talk about what you need to do. The first thing you need to do is start with a big smile. Okay. Yeah. What if I'm not the smiling type? (laughs) 
No, no offense, um, but you're guaranteed to be unmemorable if you're not the smiling type. You might say, well, I'm IT or well, I'm an engineer and that's not important in my line of work. This is not your line of work. This is a career fair. Imagine you're an engineer and the, the person behind the counter is an HR person and HR people tend to skew more toward the people side of things. You're more the task side of things and they want, you have to give them something so they go back and say, here's the one guy out of the pile that I liked. Right. If you can't do that, you're essentially comparing your resume to everybody else there. And I guarantee you somebody else's resume is better and probably a better fit as well. At some point, we're going to admit at some point in my life, I'm going to admit being tired of all the people telling us of all the effective behaviors they're not willing to engage in just because it's not me. How many times have we said it on air, Mike? You don't get paid to do what you like. You get paid to do what the company pays you to do. Now, look, we want you, we want it to be what you like, but if, if your job presenting to a group requires you to be energetic and you're not thought of as an energetic person and so you don't do it, you're not meeting your requirements. You could say, well, that's just me. Well, that's like a CEO saying, you know what? I really don't want to worry about sales. I'm not a sales guy. Right. Or it's like a college student saying, well, I'm not, I don't like to take written tests. So yeah, right. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> and, and unfortunately I know in some places, uh, uh, well, let's make accommodations for this person. Let, you know, let's uh, hire someone to give them a verbal test or we don't want that person to be disadvantaged or whatever. Companies aren't going to do that. The process is the process and it takes a good first interpersonal impression. I'll say it again. Interviewing is an artificial reality designed to keep people out. If you're not willing to engage in a set of basic behaviors, including making a big smile, a smile in which we can see your teeth 95% of the time, right? There are rare people who can smile without showing their teeth and still make a strong energetic impression, but it's rare, right? If you're not willing to do those these things, you might as well not even bother because as we alluded to in the beginning, career fairs are a little bit of interviewing on steroids. I mean, look, there are 3,000 other people in the room with you. That's an interview on steroids. Yeah. So that's probably the first thing, right? You're walking up, you're yeah. smiling before you even said your name, you're smiling. And the next thing that probably happens, at least physically, is um, a handshake. Yeah. Uh, can I can I go back to smiling real quick? Just I want to mention yeah, sure. one thing. My sense is that candidates go into these things and they wander around. They They wander back and forth and they're looking and they're looking. And they're in the mode of deciding, of choosing, right? Mm. They're thinking, where am I going to go? Which company might interest me? Separate from the fact that you already know that. You ought to already know that. That's not what I'm getting at here. The mindset of looking and drawing conclusions and deciding is the antithesis of the mindset we need to make a good first impression, right? The idea that I can walk in front of a booth and look at the booth and sort of go, I don't know, do I want that? While the company representative is looking at me, what's the facial expression of the person who's wandering by the booth looking going, hmm, I don't know, right? It's almost dismissive. Or if it's not dismissive, it's deciding in nature. It's intellectual in nature. It's contemplative in nature. That's not what you do, deciding, um, separating, contemplating. That's not what you do when you meet somebody. When you meet somebody, you stick out your hand, you smile, and you try to make a good first impression. But that's not the mindset people have walking around in these things. Yeah, people don't like judgmental folks, right? Exactly. If you look like that, that's what you look like. It looks like you're judging. Yeah, and, and, exactly. But that's a great point, though. I mean, and, and this is completely off topic or off the idea of impressions, but it goes to the mindset of, of going to a career fair. And you said it, the mindset is not to make decisions. Right. What you want every single yes. recruiter or individual company representative that you talk to, you want them to call you back 
whether you think you're interested or not. And maybe you don't. I mean, maybe you really don't. But you got to go in with that attitude that everybody I talk to, I want them calling back. I want as many choices and many opportunities as possible. And during the career fair is not where you're making those decisions. Get that out of your head. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, in hindsight, I think to myself, you know, could we have done, we could probably do a whole cast on the mindset of career fairs, right? On the other hand, you can't really do mindset. So that's not really a career tools specialty, but, but I think it's an important one. I, I literally, I'm sorry, but I just had this picture in my head of a candidate wandering around and, and I can see their face, right? And it's just, it's not the right face. It's not the right face. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, folks. I hate to say it. Do your face right, guys. No, I'm kidding. I'm really kidding. Sorry for that little diversion there. Yeah, Back okay. to your point about handshake, right? Yeah, we recommend you got to have a solid handshake. And 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 look, I don't, you know, hopefully you longtime listeners will appreciate this. We We sometimes pick a little bit on the technical people in the world. You know, because Mike and I are both technical, <laughs> Mike much more so technical than me, or at least we have we have some technical chops, even though mine are old and Mike's are more current. But look, you know, folks, if, if you're a technical person and you're not good with a handshake, you got to learn how to do it. Just like you expect the marketing and sales and PR people to know enough about their gadgets and about their computers to be to be not idiotic when they have a simple mistake, like what does this dialogue box mean, Right. You've got to have a solid handshake. This is, I hate to say it because results are the first thing that make us successful in our careers. If, if somebody said, Mark, what's the number one career tool? I'd say results, right? It's not actually a tool, but it certainly is the, the wrench that turns the, it, it's the pedal, uh, the gas pedal of the car, if you will. It's the most important tool to accelerate your career. But when it comes to interpersonal skills and all careers are essentially about interpersonal stuff, it's all about people. Somebody said that once. In your top 10, it's got to be Handshake, right? So, look, we have a cast on the Handshake. It's 50 minutes long, <laughs> and it's it's incredibly detailed. For those of you who are technical, you'll actually like it because it breaks down the Handshake in annoying detail, right? And and here here's a hint. If you haven't listened, we promise you, you don't know what the most important move is in your Handshake, the most important thing you can do. And it has nothing to do with the strength of your grip, okay? And what's more, you're probably also mistaken about the best way to impart energy to the person you're meeting. And let me say again, that has nothing to do with the strength of the grip. And I want to mention a third thing. In our cast, we actually tell you the way to measure how strong your grip should be. We have a foolproof way to measure it. And you can do it probably, most most Americans can do it around their house. Uh, and and I would argue that most people anywhere could probably figure out a, an alternative that would work. Yep. Um, you've got to have it. You, you've you got to shake hands. Yep. So go to managertools.com and look up yep. that podcast. We're not going to Look up it Handshake anymore. Podcast and, and have a chuckle at how incredibly detailed we can be. And you know, somebody asked me the other day, they said, I was listening to some of your casts. Um, in fact, it was a guy I was having lunch with and he says, oh, I was getting ready to come over here and one of my directs called and I I, call, I I went to Manager Tools to figure out the problem. And of course, he was joking with me. And I said, he said, but I just got to tell you, you know, every time I shake hands with you, I get nervous. I said, well, sorry, <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not alone. He said, but look, he says, I know now, I mean, this is a sales guy. He's a successful senior executive. He says, I know now I didn't have a good handshake. He says, I'm not going to say that uh, I can specifically tell you that it hurt my career, but I know this categorically, it didn't help it 
when I compare my handshake now to my handshake then, it didn't help it. So, folks, you need to get your handshake right. And we've got, as far as I can find, and look, I'm happy to be proven wrong. We'd like you all to learn the handshake. And if you don't learn it from us, learn it somewhere. I'd happy, be happy to prove them wrong, but I don't know anywhere else that teaches us with the level of detail and the, the, the ease with which you can understand it in that cast. Sorry, I'm going on and on. I usually don't. <laughs> no, never. Never, never do yeah, that. Yeah, never. This is important. Though. God darn it, this whole career fair thing, people just go into it with the wrong idea. And if they'll just follow these steps, you can eliminate 80 to 90% of the, the, the typical errors you go into, the typical errors you're going to make. And we, we know, gosh, if you're going to go, we want you to be successful. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things that drives me crazy is going to career fair and seeing folks just wander around lackadaisically. You know, their shoulders are down, they're stooped, they're, it almost looks lethargic, to be honest with you. And I tell you, if somebody like that, if I'm observing as I have breaks and I'm observing folks and somebody who's wandering around like that, then comes up to the booth to talk to me, I tell you what, they've got to work really, really hard to get past that initial no I've already decided on. Yeah. I'm surprised folks wander around. They move slowly. Uh, You mentioned stooped over uh, the opposite of that, of course, standing up straight. When you see opportunity for time with a booth representative, step forward, begin. Don't make eye contact 10 times walking back and forth and then wait for five minutes until they're doing absolutely nothing. Offer your resume, step forward, right? Smile, shake your hand, shake their hand and say your name, okay? If they don't ask you why you're interested in their company, ask them if you can tell them, right? May I tell you why I'm interested in Procter & Gamble? I'm excited about BP. Can I tell you why? And it's not that we're trying to get you to the pitch. We're trying to say to you, if you do that, rather than essentially waiting for them to take charge of the conversation, if you step forward, if you smile, if you shake hands and you say, can I tell you why I'm excited about Procter & Gamble? That sends a message of high energy. It, it lifts them up before they then begin to hear your pitch. Yeah. And you said, we're not trying to get you the pitch, but in fact, you have to have a pitch, right? It's just not a casual right. conversation that you haven't thought about. You've got a pitch. You're selling right. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, your pitch is a mixture. So, so when you deliver the pitch, your pitch is a mixture of why you're interested of the, in the company in terms of its approach, its strategy, its products, its culture, whatever. It's not really about you. It's about demonstrating that you really know the company and that you're genuinely interested in them. They're going to be more than a paycheck to you. They're a company you can be passionate about, you can be enthusiastic about, because remember, they're not just thinking about hiring. They're thinking about hiring and keeping. They don't want to hire. They want to have employees long-term, and they have to go through hiring to get there, okay? The second part of the example we gave demonstrated a longer-term interest in the areas the companies to work on. Okay, we don't want to give the impression that we woke up this morning, decided to fall in love with them. Oh, I saw your ad in the paper. It's really good, right? We're showing them that their interests coincide with interests that we have held for some time. Now, look, if it's an engineering firm, you can say, I've wanted to be an engineer since I was in, you know, in grammar school and I studied engineering and I got a 3-2 and, and, and I happen to really love this division that you have that does this special road work overseas. I've always wanted to travel. You guys are growing internationally. You seem to have a really good mix of engineers and operations people. I love working with operations people right? Look, if you've got a work history, if you have any work history at all, if you're not a completely fresh college graduate, what you do is you show how the jobs you've held 
lead you to applying for a particular role and then describe what we can bring to it. Right? If your work history is shorter, you don't you don't have any. We showing the interests we we show them the interests we've got, academic or otherwise, that are consistent with consistent with something we admire about the company. Now, no, um, it could be an assignment. It could be something we've done. Look, you know, my daughter Kate could say, "I've always been fascinated with rocketry. I've been involved in extracurricular rocket rocket activities since I was twelve years old." I mean, I know that sounds funny, but I have been. I love rockets. I got to build a forty foot titanium rocket. I welded it and went to White Sands Missile Range to shoot it. I'm really interested in your plans to launch the X two, and I'd love to be involved with that. That that's completely different from somebody say saying I'm a mechanical engineer with a three five GPA. Right, a yeah. mechanical engineer with three five GPA can say that to every single other company that might be looking at mechanical engineers at the conference. But only the kids, only the young people interested in rocketry, can make the comments about rocketry to Orbital Sciences or SpaceX or what have you. Good. And then at some point, there is some degree that you're having a conversation, right? And when you're in a conversation with folks, you tend to ask questions. Now, so you're going to ask a question of them. Well, if you're going to ask a yeah. question, make it an intelligent one, you know? Yeah. Look, um, it, it, as you say, it's an opportunity to create a discussion, right? You don't want to make it too strategic, right? That the person you're talking to is unlikely to have big strategic answers for the company. But please don't kiss your career opportunity goodbye by making it related to benefits and pay. That, that, that again, I'm sure I've said it before, you know, God's wheel. Where do I sit? How much do I get? When's lunch? When can I quit? God says, give me back my wheel. You're not ready yet, right? You don't ask about paying benefits, nor do you ask about something big and strategic. You could say, I, I'm interested in moving into the consultancy arm of the business. Is that something you've seen graduates do? Or can you tell me more about how folks in the factories get connections with folks in the field? Will there be opportunities for re field research? Or will this operations area have a connection to the sales and marketing folks? Because, you know, one of the things that excites me is really understanding the entire business. Okay. Now, that's about the job. And you always want to ask questions about the job, staying away from paying benefits, about how you're going to contribute. And this is just like our guidance in the interviewing series about how to ask questions, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, then the last point, you, you mentioned about questions. And when you get a chance to ask a question, hopefully there's a little dialogue that goes on there. And hopefully you're smart enough to know that that uh, it, it, we, when you get into a conversation, and we have a podcast on this as well, folks, someone asks you a question, you answer and then provide a question back. And then they answer that and provide a question back. And it's a little bit like a tennis match going back and forth. But at some point, you need to recognize monopolizing the representative's time is not the way to impress them, right? You need to be ready to be done. Okay, you got to be aware that that uh, of the representative's body language, they're trained to smile and to be pleasant, right? I'm sure you love that part of the job, Mike. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> right, right, that was your favorite thing all day. Oh yeah, right. Um, they're going to mask to some degree their need to move on to the next candidate. We're not suggesting you cut your opportunity short. But if you feel that person getting uncomfortable, it's okay to say, it was very nice to meet you. I hope to hear from you. I'll let you move on to the next person. Good luck with the rest of your day. All right. Okay. Let's just say, look at, memorize it, right? As we've said it before, right? If you're an American, if you're an adult in American, you know, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America to the public stand, right? Same thing here. It was nice to meet you. I hope to hear from you. 
I'll let you move on. Good luck with the rest of your day. Four very short four or five word phrases stuck together. It was nice to meet you. I hope to hear from you. I'll I'll let you move on. I hope you have a great rest of the day. There it is. You say that 20 times and then you can deliver that in a moment without thinking about it while also shaking hands and making great eye contact and smiling. If you haven't memorized that phrase or a short version of that, you're going to stumble over it at the end and the last impression you make is not going to be a positive one. And the fact that you're graceful and thoughtful, you're you're thoughtful about their schedule and what they're there to do, and you're gracefully exiting because of your thoughtfulness, it's going to impress them. No question about it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's always appreciated. And this next point is a hard one to do if you haven't thought about it ahead of time, which is you got to follow up with folks afterwards. Yeah. People miss this one. Um, Look, if you're talking to somebody, get the name of the person you talk to. They'll give you their card. Send them a thank you note. Maybe they like five people and you're the only one that got a thank you note. We just got an email from somebody, right? That the thank you note made a difference, right? Somebody just sent us an email and said, here's the actual note. This is your note reminded me of something, right? Because thank you notes, people love them. And yet somehow it's funny. They're loved and yet nobody seems to do them, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, funny thing about thank you notes is when you get one, we get, you know, thank you cards and notes all the time, right? And if you look at my desk, Often it's it's cluttered and it's cluttered with thank you notes because man they are so hard to throw away you know yeah because <laughs> you appreciate them right so boy that's a nice thing if you have your thank you notes sitting on the recruiters or the company representative's desk for a month because they don't want to throw away how's that a bad thing yeah Tom Hausman one of our listeners and members is always writing me thank you notes when he asks me a quick question and I'm able to answer it. Uh, John Hack is another guy who's written me several that are just really thoughtful. And it's like, okay, you know what? If it's two in the morning and John Hack needs me, I'm going to pick up the phone. Absolutely. Right? And that makes a difference. You know, I think I said once somewhere that thank you notes are the saffron of of professional relationships because saffron is a very expensive spice. It's just, it, it just, they work. And why do we do this? Because we think of this like an interview, and that's what we would do after an interview. We write a thank you note. Oh, sure. You can say, I'm not sure that's efficient because I don't know if this person makes a difference. You're right. This is not about efficiency. It's about taking advantage of every single small opportunity you can to differentiate yourself from somebody else. The same way companies do that when they are thinking about making a difference in the marketplace. They don't just think, well, there are a lot of products. We'll just throw us out there and hope it turns out good, right? It wouldn't be efficient to try to reach everybody because that might be expensive. No, we're going to try to reach everybody and make a difference. We did a whole podcast on thank you notes. So if you haven't listened to it, please go and listen to it. But, you know, the short version is pretty simple, right? Yeah, look, look, you only say thank you twice in a thank you note. I've gotten them with four thank yous. It doesn't, it just seems overdone, right? You never ask a question. You never request a favor in the note, right? Would you please call me? Um, What do you think about X or Y or Z? You don't do that. It is never too late to write a thank you note. Handwritten is always best. And if you're wondering how to write one, the short version is three paragraphs. Paragraph one is one sentence in which you specifically say thank you, right? Paragraph two is two sentences long, which personalize the note, something that you mentioned that makes them know only you would know that. You're not just writing a blanket thank you note to everybody. And paragraph three restates your appreciation. That's it. Look, if you've got other people in the network, in your network, whom you know, that are also working for the company, follow up with them too. You don't have to write them a thank you note. They haven't done anything yet. But fostering a connection with somebody who's at the company and maybe ask them, hey, to send you an email to to Joe, who you interviewed with or who you were at the career fair with, and say, hey, send Joe a note. And they send a note, hey, Joe, I just want you to know, Mike's a good friend of mine, and he, he'd be great here. He's really, really good. I hope you saw him. hope you liked him because the guy's awesome. 
Again, that's one of those things. It's you, 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 you can win or lose the death of a thousand cuts race, right? It could be the straw that broke the camel's back in a good way, or you could die the death of a thousand cuts because somebody else does it the right way. Now, I want to mention a couple other things in, in the follow-up process that I find professionally impressive. The first one is to grade yourself on your experience. Now, look, this implies setting goals, and we'll talk about that in a second. But look, when the event is over, compare your performance to what you intended. Maybe there's only one idea to learn to be learned from your experience, which is the parking was really, really bad, or I wasn't as good with my pitch as I thought I would be. I, you know, I had it in my head, but saying it out loud is different. Or, you know, I was a little uncomfortable with the handshake. Or, wow, I really made a connection with company X because I went over my pitch in advance, right? But, but the process of doing this, of a little bit of a hot wash grading afterwards, helps you get better every time. Okay? Yeah. So, so we encourage you to do that. So going back to the point about goals, you know, maybe it's simple, right? Did I speak to all the companies I targeted? Did I give resumes to all those companies? Did I give my pitch at all those companies, right? These are all goals you could set. Uh, names and Did I get names and addresses of representatives I spoke to, right? And these goals are pretty narrow, folks. Most people just say, well, I want to go and I'm hoping for success. But look, we're not in control of our success. The companies are. We can only be in control of those behaviors that influence our success. So no sense in hoping for success. Let's measure ourselves on the things we can control. Essentially, what we're doing is establishing proxies that we believe will most likely represent the right behaviors that will lead to success, like, like the ones we just mentioned, okay? And look, since grading implies a potential for improvement, our second follow-up trick, if you will, is find the next one to go to, right? The beauty of that is that it's going to focus your self-analysis and give you something to improve for, as opposed to just randomly, okay, that was a career for I, I want to do better next time. And the problem with that is career fairs suffer from Horseman's Christmas rule, which is we're going to be bad at them over and over again because we do it rarely and it's important to us. And that means it's going to be stressful. We've got to concentrate our efforts at improving. Now, I, I think you and I talked about this. We, we need to make a brief caveat here. We're talking specifically about career fairs, but please don't read this as being we recommend career fairs as the only stick in your bag regarding your career search, right? Even if you're a Harvard MBA, you're not going to say, well, if I go to career fair, I'm going to get a job and that'll be fine. If you only rely on it, of course, that's that you, you're, you're in trouble. But why restrict yourself to 20 or so companies which happen to come to your campus or your town, right? So we're talking specifically for graduates here. Don't think that the career fair is the only way to go. There are other ways to do it. There are friends and there's networks and so on. And you'd be surprised. And, and look, if you're listening to this as a sophomore or junior and you're thinking about it, please stay in touch with your friends. Maybe not the one that's failing out, although th there's a part of, of loving your fellow man that that might be good too. But in terms of your career search, stay in touch with the folks who do better than you in class. Shake hands of people, stay in touch with them, say hello, remember their names. They may make a difference when they get a job six months before you do and they can write a short email, right? So look, think of it this way. A short job search is about reducing emotion, increasing your intelligence, and working hard. It'd be easy to assume you can walk up to a career fair and have somebody offer you a job on a plate, but it's unlikely to happen. And no, not really. It's actually damn near bloody impossible for it to happen, right? The best careers are made by those who work hard and prepare across the board. If you apply a broad work ethic to your career search, you're going to do better. And then you apply it specifically with our recommendations here. Uh, you're going to do a lot better when you go to a career fair. Yep. Much better. 
So quick wrap up, do your research to dress to impress. Three, don't think broadly, think more like a surgical strike and pick a right. handful of companies to do your research on and focus on. Make an impression. We talked about several ways to do that. And then don't forget to follow up when you're done. Yeah, big mistake is that lack of follow-up because, well, it's not an interview, right? Yep. All right, my friend. Thanks, partner. We'll see you next week. You too. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And I hope you got something out of that. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, have a great one. So long.